Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. In our first installment for episode 18, Geek Life is slow rolling. As Graham McMillan and I start with a failed cold open, then move on to talk about bad weather, bad backs, not-so-bad TV on Netflix. Those who want to jump right in on the action should go to approximately the 1650 mark when we discuss Superman vs. Muhammad Ali and the absolute edition of All-Star Superman, the latter half of which, uh, our discussion that is, is very spoilerific. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for listening. Jeff. Graham McMillan. <laughs> Jeff, I, I have a, a thing, an idea for you. Yes. So on the podcast, normally you introduce, and then it does do good, do good, do good, do good, and it's got the, the music, and then we go into what we've recorded. Right. I'm saying live introduction. Oh, you think so? Right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the problem, Graham. As delightful yes. an idea as that may be, uh, <laughs> half the time we don't know what we're going to end up talking about until we actually talk about it. But that is the key. Oh, I see. It's like a melange of ideas. Anything, <laughs> yeah. Anything is possible at this point. It's the Schrodinger's cat of podcasts. <laughs> we can talk about anything. It's absolutely true. So you're saying we should just throw some topics out and then force ourselves to talk about them? No, no, I'm saying we should open up a box and see whether we're alive or dead. <laughs> So the reason I sound melange, by the way, is because um, this is, again, veering horrifically off topic very quickly. Um, <laughs> Kate has recently gone into um, mint tea instead of, like, regular tea or coffee. Gotcha. And Trader Joe's has a, a mint tea called mint melange, and there's no way I can say that without going melange. <laughs> As if I was very impressed. Yeah, so yeah, melange. <laughs> melange. <laughs> We should totally get a bunch of foreign comics to review for the podcast so you can oh God, review them. I just, I just keep saying words that I find amusing, though. That would be terrible. <laughs> it would be great, though. You could kind of be, well, I find this an exciting melange. Melange of ideas, yes. With a soupçon of violence. That would be awesome. I think everyone would like pay good money to hear the Graham McMillan Speaks French <laughs> podcast. Uh, I've told you about my terrible... Fr- if I've not told you about my terrible French experience, Kate must have told you about my terrible French experience, right? <laughs> but we went, we went to France, and we went to a restaurant, and theoretically I had been learning French uh, ahead of time, so we wouldn't be faced with what actually happened, which was the waiter came up and basically said... He basically said, hello, what would you want? Okay? Right. And I just lost the ability to even speak English. <laughs> and I... I I just look at Kate and say, you have to be able to say something right here because I can't. I just... <laughs> Kate quite clearly has the reaction of, no, 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 French viewers. <laughs> yeah, I'm... And then I, I think I'm ordering chicken. And of course I get the wrong word and I order fish. <laughs> You know, I have to say, I would be even worse. I was like, oh, I, I know the word for that, and I almost said cat instead of bird. So I think I would be, uh, I would be equally awesome uh, at play in the um, the French restaurant. Oh, oh my God! Uh, yes, 
Oh, Jeff, what's wrong? Is this the We Talk About Jeff's Problems podcast? No, 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 no. That was the heavy sigh of let me try and recover from all the hard laughing, actually. It really is. (sighs) I thought you were getting sick as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's talk about how sick you've been. See, this is totally like, uh, this is, yeah, the, the, the cold open. Apart from establishing that we are, in fact, alive, or at least I know I am. Maybe you've got a surprise up your sleeve. The twist and tale, Jeff, is that I've been dead all along. <laughs> um, I, I, I've, been, I've been horrifically sick. And it's not even a horrifically sick where, like, you're just horribly sick all the time. It's horrifically sick where, like, one thing just goes wrong, and then when that gets better, you get sick in a different way. Oh, that is awful. Um, and so right now, pretty much, I'm at the... I am full of phlegm, and I feel like I'm every time I cough, I'm just going to cough up a lung. Thing. Yeah. Uh, all, but as well as like my cold, which has sort of evolved through the last week or so, uh, I also threw out my back on Saturday. <gasps> no. Yes. I don't even know what I was doing. I was putting something in the trash, and then all of a sudden my back was like, hey, guess what? Fuck you. <laughs> Newsflash. I'm exactly. out. Yeah, new flash. Hope you weren't hoping to, you know, do anything over the next week or so. Um, oh so God. it's got to the point where, like, I'm only, like, pretty normal now. Uh-huh. But Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, basically if I sit down for more than, like, three hours, I can't really walk for, like, half an hour afterwards. Oh, my God. Which is a problem when I have to sit down for my job. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's hilarious because I'll sit down and I'll work and I'll be fine when I'm sitting down. And then, like, the doorbell will go and I'll be like, I should get that. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh. And, like, half an hour later, I finally get to the front door and someone's like, yeah, I've got a package for you. And I'm like, just leave it down there. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh because that's terrible, but I just love the idea of you just sort of weakly waving from the door like, it's a... Leave it. I'll crawl out for it later. Whatever you need, just just take care of it. <laughs> Forge my signature. It's okay. So, are you? Did you guys stop going to the gym at some point? Well, we've stopped going to the gym because of this, basically. Well, that's not true. We've stopped going to the gym last week because Kate was horribly sick. Right. Then I got sick, and then I threw my back out. So, but, but like we we pretty much like we went to the gym a couple of times last week. It's just mm-hmm. this week been a complete disaster for me. Right, but you had been going pretty steadily, right? So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's it's making me wonder if like you need to maybe just do some stretching or you know it's one of those weird well, like that's, yoga that's would be good possible. or something. Yeah. I don't really do stretching the way I should. First of all, mm-hmm. uh, and secondly, it's also very possible that like I'm doing the exercises wrong. Yeah, uh, you know, like it's very possible that I have strained my lower back doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing on a machine, and I'm doing it the wrong way. Maybe. I mean, I certainly worry about like that because, like, I've been at the gym uh, on the rowing machine, which was my my uh, sort of my one of the core parts of my my little gym workout and mm-hmm. I'll see like trainers take around people to like show them the equipment and stuff like that and they're and like yeah they're, they're doing that wrong the, totally this guy totally yeah, walked so- by and was like and and don't do it like that like as they yeah, were yeah, looking we, at we, me when we were getting the tour that's what the, the guy said to me as well he was like you know what this, this guy's doing it completely wrong and i was like he can probably hear you dude <laughs> <laughs> seriously i always feel like maybe that's some big component of the gym like it's totally like oh we can totally tell you that guy over there 
doing it wrong. When it just makes me feel like, I don't know, I'm never sure that that actually helps people. I mean, I'm sure on the one hand I am doing it wrong. I definitely have a horrible, horrible posture generally, and at the rowing machine, like, especially. But I do make it a point to stretch out afterwards, which is good. And then, of course, you know, back in the day when I was was doing the yoga more, that actually helped my back a lot. You'd be really surprised. Um, So, because it's interesting, just the fact that you guys have been working out more makes me think, yeah, either like a little more stretching afterwards and maybe some more stretching during the day. (laughs) A little more stretching afterwards for me would be stretching. I'm not joking. Like after after we finish, Kate's always like, "I'm just gonna stretch out," and I'm like, "Yeah, whatever. I'm gonna have some water." <laughs> so yeah, it's very very possible that I have done this to myself by not stretching. Well, yeah, may- maybe I think maybe you should be be stretching more, perhaps. Um, but uh, oh my god, that's. Um, well, that's really a drag. I I am very sorry to hear it. Also, you know. Edie's got an awesome table that you can stand up at and work. I don't know if that's something that you guys would think about getting in the house, but, you know, maybe that would also help you. Like, you could have... It's, it's, I mean, theoretically, I could do that in the kitchen, for example, but mm-hmm. it's been so earth-shatteringly cold yeah. that I've pretty much been, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay in my very small office with the door closed and the heater on. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, it's 28 degrees outside. Oh, my God! 28 degrees? Yeah. It's this is how cold it is. It snowed for maybe like five minutes on Tuesday, uh-huh. and that snow's still here because it's not gotten above freezing for it to go away yet. Oh, uh, that is wow. That's kind of terrible. Um, I really was or awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, great. I suppose if you're one of those people who dig that sort of thing, but um, no possible pun intended. But I, 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 I love I love the snow until the snow gets. You know, absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Where you can't go out, and then all you know, it's in your knee, all over your knees, and then you're like, ah, screw it. Right. Yeah. Although snow has apparently stopped new comics getting to Portland today, so maybe, maybe I'm the enemy of it. Wait. So that little I, light dusting I, I, of snow is like totally like stopped new comics from getting in. What I've heard is that UPS deliveries are not going to make it today because of the weather. Wow, that's bear in mind that like as as little as snow we have here, there are actually like all, surrounding us ridiculous snow. Oh, of course, because so, I mean, if, if it's coming from like Seattle or something, Seattle is ridiculous right now. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> we were actually bitching because it got down to forty-one degrees last night. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a tough life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you it's know, hard. it's yeah. hard. It's funny though, because in San Francisco, you sort of forget about that. Yeah. I mean, our first winter up here, we've moved up a December eighth. Mm-hmm. And the snow came like maybe a week after that, um, and we were both just gobsmacked. <laughs> I mean, really, we're looking at the window going, "It's snow, that's so romantic." And then maybe about you know an hour later, we were like, "We're freezing. <laughs> what do we do?" <laughs> <laughs> like we've got to go outside, and because we've lived in San Francisco for eight years, none of us have any snowworthy shoes. <laughs> No, exactly. I mean, San Francisco, like, on the one hand, we're, we're like these beautiful hothouse flowers. Uh, but the the problem is, is like, our our apartment has nothing like insulation, like, at all. 
you know? So it's like, I think there was just, you know, such a huge chunk of time in San Francisco where the weather, like, really didn't get below 40 and didn't get above 70, like, yeah. for decades. And now it's that sort of thing of as the extremes sort of start to kick in, we just, we don't, we have no idea what to do. We, you know, literally don't live in, a, a, you know, four days out of the year, an apartment that uh, allows us to be comfortable no matter how hard we try. You know? It's, it, but it's really strange. I mean, because it's not something you ever really think about in San Francisco because you don't have to. No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and even now, it's San Francisco, just, like, San Francisco, I mean, even, you know, oh, it's 40 degrees. That's still relatively comfortable. Well, yeah. I mean, everything's no, really. relative, but, but no, great. No, but really, put, put, put your heating on in the house. You'll be fine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right, sure. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sympathize, but you don't have my sympathies. Yeah, I know. It's never uh, a, a good thing. I wasn't necessarily saying it for sympathy. I was saying I it more. I think fair, so. quite clearly. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, Probably. I Probably. I know where my <laughs> Yeah, I guess that, that's probably... I mean, definitely, it's not very smart to try and solicit, you know, uh, sympathy from somebody who is actually in freezing weather, but... <laughs> it would be very funny. I was like, hey, it's 28 degrees, I'm really cold, and you're like, it's 40 degrees here. You're like, Jesus. <laughs> Graham, you don't understand. My toes were numb. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I can almost see my breath. Well, um, so uh, let's talk about some terrible Netflix that you've been watching. Oh no, I, I, it's not really been terrible. It has to be said. I've been watching because I have not been well, and I tend to, you know, my, basically what happens is I, if I get sick and mm-hmm. I have the ability to be sick, as opposed to like I have to work all the way through it. Right. Um, I will sit myself down in front of the fire, get like some tea or some warm drink. And watch terrible television. This is how I discovered the Gilmore Girls. I was going to say, this is Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah I knew because, this was um, Because I was flipping through channels and Gilmore Girls is at ABC and I was like, why not? And all of a sudden I was like, I love this show. Um, <laughs> but this year I have been watching Netflix streaming. Wow. Uh, and also Apple TV is now will now let you listen to or watch podcasts oh, wow. uh, on your television. So I've been doing a lot of that as well. Hmm, um, nice. But I've been re-watching Veronica Mars, the the which I love, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to discover I still love, like, five years later, because I, I was one of those, because I, I, did I tell you I rewatched Buffy and was not impressed? Uh, no, I don't think you did tell me. Um... Uh, I mean, I re- I, some, some episodes are still great, but mm-hmm. watching, like, a season, mm-hmm. I didn't remember how much dead weight there was per season. Yeah, you know, I think we did talk about this, of course, because we spent a lot of time arguing about... I, I was trying to make a spirited season case six, for yeah. season four, and yeah, season yeah. six, of course, we've grown uh, up. Yeah. But Veronica Mars, I think, holds up a lot better. Mm. In part because it's much more recent. It's not had the chance to date as badly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, uh, it, it, it sort of... I mean, Veronica Mars sort of seems to me to be very much a, a, a post-Buffy show. You know? Yes, yes. Um, and and I say that as somebody who, admittedly, ha- still hasn't watched it. So 
What? Yeah, yeah, no, I it's, know. It's on Netflix streaming. Come on. I know, I know. It's and I probably will. I mean, this is this is where I, we're not even sick. Anita and I are slowly making our way through uh, all the seasons of the show Psych. Arguably a much more terrible TV show. I was going to say I would, I would argue that Veronica Mars is better than Psych. Although I like Psych as well, but Psych is a, a, one of these you can pretty much switch your brain off and. Yeah, very much so. That's it. Yeah. Um, Although talking of net bad Netflix, last night uh, Kate and I watched *The Persia: The Sands of Time*. <gasps> is that on? Is that on? Watch instantly? Or? No, 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 it's not. It's uh, we actually got the disc. Oh, okay. I, I stupidly signed up for the Blu-ray disc, thinking there would be extras. No. Really? There's like one extra. There's like one deleted scene, and that's it. Oh my god, that's really I, kind of. It's really strange, isn't it? Huh. That is strange. Because it sounds like uh, the Scott Pilgrim Blu-ray is like just packed with, like they make everything. It, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's kind uh, of appalling. And I'm horrifically bitter about that because I talked to two different people who are doing Scott Pilgrim PR. Both of them have promised me the Blu-ray, and I haven't had anything. Oh, okay. Now remember when I sounded like an asshole for complaining about the weather to like you, uh-huh. and, like freezing. Uh huh. <laughs> Let me just say, as a guy who has to pay for things and doesn't actually even have a Blu-ray player, I I envy you. I I don't pity you. I envy you. I'm like. I was gonna say, do you really want me to go to the Superman Muhammad Ali thing? Oh God. <laughs> oh, I I that, cried that was, when you sent that. That email. was honestly, if nothing else, the envelope it came in was kind of terrifying. It's the same size as the original, um, and it comes in a sample. It's a thin book it's not a long book no yeah, but no it's yeah. hard to cover mm-hmm. so basically it's like here have a shield <laughs> <laughs> and i I'd completely forgot that superman mamadelli was coming out so i was like what what is this oh and then God. opened up thinking oh this might be fun to read it's awesome it is awesome superman versus muhammad ali is one of the like Growing up, when I uh, when it came out, I kind of shunned it because it just seemed cheesy as all hell. And then when I finally got oh, my hands is. on a copy, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, it's cheesy, but it's also cheesy awesome. Like it's not just. It, it'd be one thing if if it was just cheese, you know what I mean? And of course, back then, I don't think I would have appreciated just like I didn't appreciate a lot of stuff like I don't know later stage Kirby and stuff like that that I adore now. But like rereading it a couple of years ago, I was like. This is fucking great. It really is one of the better Superman stories of the era, you know? Um, yeah, it, it, that's that's what's actually kind of surprising about it. It's actually a really, really good Superman story outside of any gimmick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, I mean, Muhammad Ali could have been a fictional, you know, boxer, and mm-hmm. it still would work as a Superman story. Yeah, I think so too. And in in a way that is that's that's kind of subtle that kind of has a pretty good grasp of the character i think you know because you really do as i recall you get through the book and you're like you know superman in order to make their clever plan work has to let himself get beat to pudding by muhammad ali um and he does because that's what the plan requires you know what i mean and he just does it and it's kind of like you know, Superman taking one for the team, like, it was one of those rare books where it really was like, wow, I somehow ended up feeling much more respectful of both parties involved in this little crossover. Uh, it was, it's a great little book. Yeah, it, it's, 
The one thing I guess not surprised, but uh, the one thing that I felt about it was I don't think it needed to be oversized. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not, not that it loses anything from being oversized, but it's there's nothing in there that really makes me think, hey, that's really, really, really what we need. Yeah, you know, I think I, I, I mostly agree. The the one area where I'm going to disagree with that is, uh, like Neil Adams really went to town on that front and back cover. Um, you know, in terms yeah, of the yeah, number but... of celebrity cameos and things like that. Uh, Agreed, but that's it. The pa- story pages themselves. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to the point where the last story pages, the Superman, we are the greatest, like shaking hands, double page spread. Yeah. Just kind of looks ridiculous. It looks <laughs> like it's a it's a normal panel with someone who blew it up. Well, they probably did. I mean, you know, I mean, that's kind of a big project. And that might have been like Neil Adams kind of last hurrah in a way. I don't know if he really ended up doing like a ton more work for DC after that. Come to think of it, you know, I, I can sort of. I guess that would have been it up until hey, Batman Odyssey. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, Graham. His... <laughs> yeah, let's forget. That. Please. <laughs> um, or his. Um cover for All-Star Superman. Which is on my mind because I got the All-Star Superman Absolute Edition as well. Oh, God. Which, Jeff, I have to tell you, if you have the spare $100, mm-hmm. is real. like, I'm genuinely surprised at how different Frank Whiteley's art seems on that scale. Really? It makes me reconsider... I mean, I loved his art on it anyway, but it makes me reconsider it and just think he's, he's so much better. Really? Yeah, it it really genuinely changes the way I look at the book. Wow. So, wow. Also, strangely enough, to the point also where I'm wondering if he didn't draw certain pages. Really? Yeah. The um, first page of the Jimmy Olsen issue, the way he draws Lucy Lane is so different from the way that he draws the faces of any other character. It doesn't look like Wiley's work. Hmm. Interesting. I really wonder if like someone <clears throat> stepped in and, and helped him out on that or something. I don't know, but um, it's it's interesting because something that the, the larger scale does is it feel like it really opens up the faces a lot, mm-hmm. um, and takes away a lot of the ugliness I feel about Quietly's faces. Oh, interesting. I, I, I think that uh, especially his, his women come across a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his Lois comes across a lot better in the larger scale, and I think that his Clark comes across a lot better as well. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because he, he has a way of playing with weight, I guess, I want to say. Like, like literally a character's weight. One of the things that I really liked, you know, is he, he really makes Clark Kent look very soft in, in All-Star Superman. Uh, but it also sort of, the scale at which he's drawing, it also makes the faces kind of look kind of collapsed in and waxy, I think, or something, mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, um, no, it does. And I, I think that's something that, I don't want to say gets lessened, mm-hmm. um, but definitely shifts. So the other thing that the uh, larger pages do is it makes, I don't want to say more jaggy, it makes something about his line scratchier. And mm-hmm. much more appealing in a way that his uh, definitely his, his Batman work or even his Wee Tweet doesn't really have for me. Hmm. Um, it's it really does change the art. I was genuinely surprised. Huh. Um, 
Well, let me ask you this, because one of my worries about the, the Absolute Edition at that size is I always felt like some of Quietly's uh, All-Star Superman stuff, sometimes the backgrounds were gorgeous, and sometimes they seemed a little skimpy. Um, there's not that feeling at all with the Absolute Edition? Things I would say I would say too... not that feeling I wouldn't say not that feeling any more than it was before. Okay, so there's still a little bit of it, but it's not exactly. Oh, I think so. I, I, I th- yeah, but I think also it's a choice. I, I think that I don't think there's any point where he was like, ah, I meant to do something in there, and it didn't really. Hmm. Um, the other thing that comes through when you see because it has some pencils mm-hmm. uh, as well as the the finished artwork mm-hmm. is that it looks like Jamie Grant dropped a lot out occasionally, especially in the first cover. Oh, interesting. Dro- dropped a lot out to um, in the colors, so it's possible that he had more work in them. Hmm. Interesting. That that would be very, very fascinating to to see for sure. Um, um, but no, it, it's it's a beautifully designed book. A, <laughs> a really incredibly nicely designed book. Um, Quietly's art looks really good, and the back matter is essentially Morrison talking about the various characters he created for the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't realize he created so many villains. Like, when he just lists them, I was like, yeah, I guess he did. But he, he drops them all in almost as, like, you know, afterthoughts at the very start of the story, where he's like, yeah, and so I deleted the, you know, I defeated the dinosaur men from the center of the earth, and then I go off and do the real story, and I hadn't really noticed all of the characters he created. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, which made me think two things. One, that's great. <laughs> right. Two, that's the way you introduce new characters into a, something like Superman. Mm-hmm. You do it in a backhanded manner, and then eventually someone will be like, oh, I'll pick that up. You know, I want to do something with that character, or I want to know more about that character. Right. Because you have to know a fandom manner. I, I was particularly sort of comparing this to the way that the Spider-Man people did um, Brand New Day, where they were like, we're not using any old villains for the first year. We're just going to come up with new ones, and you're going to get new villains. Right. With the result of... I don't know, I kind of felt sometimes as if they were forcing it down your throat, even when it wasn't always the greatest idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think there is something to be said for a lot of the the retro to All-Star Superman. Um, you know, you never were kind of quite sure if they were characters that he was picking up from the Silver Age and bringing back in, like the Dinosaur Men. Because, you know, clearly the Samson and Hercules are characters that you don't you know, you haven't seen in like current DC continuity for like ever, but you know, mm. had been plucked out, you know, had popped up repeatedly, I think, well, at least once or twice in stories in the Silver Age. So seeing them again, and what's great is it's not really, you're right, that sort of offhand way of as if everyone's already encountered them before is, is kind of appealing. Like you said, there's not that, it's very hard for new characters to, to beat, to launch. Um, because they are like it's literal, like literally like the christening of a, of a ship or something, where you know there's tons of fanfare and you know they're the the publisher is super super quick to make sure that this is the point of the issue that you you know therefore should pick it up. But what's kind of nice mm-hmm. about All Star Superman is when it's Morrison and Quietly doing Superman, you kind of don't necessarily have to promote anything. You can just sort of talk about like the story hook for that issue, I guess. And there's it's, that's just there. it. So, so all the new characters, oh, the majority of the new characters are never the center of the issue. Are never what the story's about. Mm-hmm. Even the Samson and Atlas story mm-hmm. isn't a Samson and Atlas story. It's Lois, right? Uh, yeah. And so it gives. I think taking that weight off the new characters mm-hmm. 
is much to the benefit of the new characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you can essentially just try them out and and say, you know, that works, that doesn't work, whatever. Mm -hmm. And give them a chance to, to... work through the kinks before you're really putting the spotlight on them. And I think that, you know, like like I said, the brand new Spider-Man didn't do that. They were like, here's Mr. Negative. He's a big deal. Here's, right. what's his name? Freak. I mean, Freak was the one that really, really didn't work. And they tried. <laughs> Freak is the center of like six or seven issues. Wow. And like, he just doesn't work as a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I, I think the way that Morrison went about it was much, much smarter. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if he was really aware of what he was doing, if that makes sense. I think Morrison was just approaching it as I need character X for, you know, to introduce this threat. Right. I'll just make something up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it does make me think, you know, I would like to see some of these characters get. Especially because in the back matter of the Absolute book, he explains the backstory that he doesn't get to explain in the story. Mm-hmm. Like, Atlas has a Kirby-esque New Gods backstory that it's not... <laughs> mentioned in the issue that's pretty great and Mars is like you know so I was thinking what if Kirby came over to DC and instead of doing new gods he just continued what he was doing with Thor but with a European Asian influence and came (laughs) up with blah and you're like holy shit (laughs) seriously and so you know when you see this you think there's a lot of potential for this character Mm -hmm. Um, or the dinosaur guy or even Solaris who had appeared in DC 1 million Right. You know, right. there's a lot of potential for people to do more of these characters. Well, interestingly <laughs> enough, so Solaris was the was the one where I felt I, I kind of felt like things got a little uh off center a little bit as far as that character was concerned uh, in, in terms of he's such a he's introduced as such a big deal of course since he's the climactic villain in the the you know, sort of the penultimate threat in, in you know, tag team, tag teaming with Luther against a, a powerless Superman. Uh, and yet he seems a little, I don't know, you know, rereading the second volume of All-Star Superman, I was like, oh, okay, they're going to great lengths to, you know, Morrison, not great lengths, but Morrison on the corner is like continually mentioning the Sun Eater, you know, in a couple of issues, and so he's building up to have that be his out. And there's also references to, you know, Solaris in, um, I think, the Unknown Superman, and a few other characters sort of mention it as one of um, Superman's impossible labors. Um, and, and I guess maybe because knowing that the character had popped up in DC 1 million, it kind of had a little bit more of that slightly... Um, I guess whether it was a little too much of a hard sell with that character for me, um, which is really funny because he barely appears. It's also kind of that weird thing of, I think by the time Solaris does appear, I was totally confused as to how big the sun was, how, you know what I mean? Like there was all sorts of scale issues that I kind of felt like that. That's a character that for me didn't quite work. work. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, could could very well just be me, uh, but it is it is just you, Jeff. Yeah, which is I'm totally so, okay. Sorry, with it, it. it's it's just you. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I I agree. I think Solaris actually worked better in DC One Million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think rereading Absolutes, the Absolute All Star this time, made me realize that Solaris isn't really what this, what his story is about either. Mm-hmm. Solaris is about the fact that he's gotten rid of the sun, which is what necessitates Superman going and having to build an artificial engine in the sun at the end. 
Right, right. Which, Which I, I, th- I think somehow I'd missed that before. Well, it sped through super quick. I don't. I didn't really pick that mm-hmm. up as much in the uh, until that second read through of the the second collection, where I'm like, oh, okay, right. They, he needs to do this because the sun is basically out. You know. Um, yeah. So it's and it's not really conveyed that well. It's kind of dashed over again. There's there's something. No, like, yeah. Again, again, like the sun going out doesn't really work as a story because. He defeats Solaris, then goes on to fight Lex. Mm-hmm. And if there's no sun, like, how does that work? Because <laughs> there's it's still daylight in the right. story. Mm-hmm. And nothing seems to be happening yeah. to yeah. the planet, which yeah. you think something would if there's no if there's no sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but Solaris that... has been defeated for quite some time ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which is the thing, like, it doesn't really work, because mm-hmm. I think he needed a line of dialogue along the lines of, like, the sun may be dead, but it has another two days worth of power in it, or something like that. Completely, completely. Um, and, and people, people, such as it is, there's kind of, people seem pretty low-key about the fact that the sun has been wiped out, too, in a way, that it's kind of like... I'm not sure, I'm not sure who's meant to know it, is the mm, thing. Mm. Because at no point does anyone actually say the sun has been burnt out. So it's possible that no one knows it apart from Superman and Solaris and Lex. It's very possible that that's why no one is freaking out. Well, you get the sense that Lois knows or understands what's going on, at least for that final farewell, right? Doesn't it? She Yeah, she definitely knows because she makes a comment about he'll come back after he's finished building the artificial engine in the sun. Like, right. she outright says it. He yes. explains what he's doing. Yeah, after um, after and, he's and, left. And, yeah, and Quintum knows as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, again, that's after he's left. Right. So for all we know, like, there's a scene missing where Superman's like, "This is what I'm going to do, Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back in you know a million months." Right. Right. Exactly. Um, I don't know. It was very, um, you know. The thing that's hilarious is after picking all this stuff uh, apart, um, I I do love it. I do. I, oh, it's, it's, it's so just... so good. And I again like like go to the library or something and get the absolute format just to see how your experience changes when you're reading the uh, larger size. I take it that's not going to be a book that you'll be getting rid of anytime soon. That's not no, in no, your no, like. No, hey, no, where do I donate my comics? <laughs> No, that that's actually comics as well. I'm talking about when I swear to name my comics. Um, I have bags and bags of comics that I'm getting rid of. I mean, some because I've got the collection, some because I just don't want them anymore, some because they're comp copies and I never really wanted them in the first place. Right. Um, and I thought I'd take them to Goodwill. Mm-hmm. And Goodwill said, we don't want them. Really? Yeah. They went, we don't take magazines or periodicals of any type. Wow. We will. We will not take them. We will take everything else you're giving us. We will not take those. Um, and so I asked online, you know, where should I get rid of them? Because I was thinking, you know, maybe a hospital or anything. Uh, best option is really there's a homeless charity here in Portland that um, deals with teenagers and kids uh-huh. and is looking to give kids things to read, basically. Right. And so I'm donating it to them. Wow. Because I was thinking, like, we could have some sort of podcast giveaway of some sort. 
But um, but then at that point, I would have to mail things out. And yeah, I, exactly. As you know, as the person who is still waiting for me to mail you a copy of Return of Bruce Wayne issue one, I'm not very good at that. I'm not good at it either. You still need a copy of Return of Bruce Wayne? No, wait. No, no, no. no, no it's Batman, Batman 701? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Jesus. I know, I know. Uh, we're, we're just not very good at it. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs>